0: Not proud of myself, Parker Thune. Oh no, what did you do this time? It's what I didn't do. Oh, okay. And earlier today I realized, what? I totally missed something on Monday for the show. We talked about the kid yesterday, and we're probably going to for every single day for the next eight months or so. Will Winery is going to be in town in a couple of weeks. He is. He's going to be true. here for the Junior Day on March 4th, and I totally missed that on Monday and totally forgot to bring it up yesterday. So apologies to everyone. When we're talking about OU's number one target, is that fair to say? Highest-ranked target. How about that? Highest-ranked target on the defensive line. Maybe defensively as a whole, he's going to be in town on March 4th for that elite junior day that they're going to be having. And that's substantial, man. That's big. It is. And what's also going to be important is that OU
1: leverages all the connections that they have there because, look, when Ari is a very relationally driven kid – and Oklahoma has a lot working for them in that regard. When you think about Caden Green, Jamar Mosey, he's been tight with Miguel Chavis for a long, long time. Todd Bates is involved in that recruitment as well. So, I again, OU isn't sitting in the pole position right now for Williams and Winery, But they do have a chance to make a big move here on March 5th because th- it does kind of feel like the kid already has a sense of what his final four or five
0: schools are going to be and OU's on the short list. They're on the hunt. Missouri might be number 1 right now. And I'm glad that you brought that up because that's exactly where I wanted to go to next with him. Okay, so if anyone will remember last year, Missouri, I, they were 5 and 6 in the final week of the regular season, had to beat Arkansas to make a bowl game. Now, Eli Drinkwitz felt like he was on a pretty hot seat late in the year, but Missouri gets to six wins, they get to bowl eligibility um, He gets to keep his job, but it kind of feels like in terms of the hottest seats in the SEC going into this year, Eli Drinkwitz is definitely on one of the hottest seats. Now, I don't claim to know everyone that Mizzou has coming back this year, but I'm going to go ahead and assume that they're not going to be one of the better teams in the SEC, and they're not going to be one of the better teams in the SEC East. And here's just a small sample of their schedule, Parker. They've got manageable non-conference games at home, Middle Tennessee, Memphis, and South Dakota. But they also got to play Kansas State at home. They got to play LSU at home. They got to go to Kentucky. They got to play South Carolina at home. They're at Georgia, Tennessee, and Florida at home. They're at Arkansas. I think you kind of get the point of where I'm going here. If he's a relationship-driven type of guy, how does that change if Eli Drinkowitz doesn't make it out of this year, and how does that affect OU? Yeah. No. When you take a look at that schedule top to bottom, Tyler, I think
1: it's pretty clear that Unless Missouri has some secret firepower that we're just not aware of, they're probably not making a bowl game this year. And if they don't make a bowl game, if he's it's a third of year, or hanging around five and seven, six and six, yeah, Drink is probably on his way out. And at that point, I, I don't know if a five-star kid is going to stay committed. Let's just, uh, just say, for the sake of the hypothetical, that he's committed to Missouri at that point. I don't know if a five-star kid is going to stay committed and be willing to wait out the administration at Missouri, whatever the decision is, as far as the next head coach. And I don't know if he's going to want to have to develop new relationships with all the new staffers there within a matter of weeks leading up to signing day. So, yeah, yeah, I think... OU, while they may not lead right now, it's not difficult to foresee a path in which OU could find themselves by default out in front
0: for Will Because I think Drink could be one of those guys that not only could he not make it out of the season, he may not make it till the month of November. Like, if it goes really bad for Mizzou, they lose to Kansas State at home in the non-con, and then they're losing at Kentucky, they're losing to South Carolina at home. Like, if they start the season... Three and six, or two and five, or something like that. I don't think it's crazy to think that he could be fired middle of the year, and they won't be able to make their hire until December, pretty close to signing day. So I, I just, there's going to be a lot of factors and a lot of different recruitments. I think Missouri's overall success this year is one that we do need to pay attention to because if this is OU's highest-rated defensive line prospect, and as of right now he is, and I don't know if that's necessarily going to change. The success or failures of Missouri this year could actually have a pretty decent impact on OU's recruiting class as a whole, which is fascinating. Man, i I think continue I
1: think stability is really going to work in OU's favor in this coming cycle, and not just in the Will and Winery recruitment, but. Uh, as they go toe-to-toe with a lot of these regionally relevant programs and nationally relevant programs in these recruiting battles, I think what Brent Venables and his staff are going to be able to sell to most prospects, not all. I think any offensive skill position guy, especially quarterbacks and receivers, they're going to be a little bit leery of what Jeff Levy has planned for the future. But for the most part, everybody on staff at Oklahoma – is in it for the long haul, ostensibly. Yeah. And so that's something that you can put in front of everybody you're going after, saying, look, things are changing at warp speed in college football these days, but at Oklahoma, you know what you're getting into, and it's a staff that's bought into the vision, and it's a staff that doesn't have any immediate plans to fragment.
0: All that to say, if you needed another reason to root against Missouri this year, And I saw the Twitter responses. None of you think that OU and Missouri are actually rivals, but you still probably root against them. Here's just another reason to root against Missouri for the 2023 season is it could very well help you land a five-star defensive lineman the likes that you've been waiting on for quite some time. And a low-maintenance five-star. Everyone loves a low-maintenance five-star, right? Uh Parker smiles when we bring up Winery, but when I bring up David Stone, the... (sighs) A little bit of a deep breath, you know, starts to happen here. Like, Waneri is the ideal five-star for this staff, isn't he? Because he's a lot like, maybe the um, personalities of he and P- PJ Adabari aren't the same, but they're the same in that with when it comes to NIL and a lot of other things, they're very low-maintenance compared to some others. So maybe the low-maintenance uh, proves to be an advantage. I think this staff handles low-maintenance five-stars and high-ranked prospects uh, pretty well. Maybe better than the, uh, the divas out there. So maybe, maybe this is exactly what they're looking for in the win out in the end. There is no more valuable commodity
1: in the world of recruiting than a low-maintenance five-star. Because those are rare. Those are few and far between. It's true. Two of my favorite kids that I've ever covered were low-maintenance five-stars, Jackson
0: Arnold and P.J. <laughs> Anabare.
1: Hopefully I get to cover a lot more of those. You for
0: were hoping women. that they would uh, – we talk about reclassifying come out a year earlier – I don't know what it's called if you reclassify back, and I know legally they couldn't do that, <laughs> but you're hoping that they, you know, register back to the 24 class so you can cover them all over oh, again. Oh, wouldn't that be nice, man? Wouldn't that be nice? Text line's breaking some news today. Um, first, Hawkins is a horn frog. Who's oh, next? Okay, well. Text line's saying, "Wow, well, Michael Hawkins Jr. is going to TCU. Who's next? What's going on?
1: What's, what's uh, new next, here?
0: next would be Michael Van
1: Buren, but I'm still riding or dying with Michael Hawkins as OU's quarterback in this class for the time being.
0: Text line is also breaking news of who the Missouri new Missouri head coach is going to be. Oh, I guess it's not crazy to think this Jeff Lebby, Jeff Lebby in all caps, Missouri's newest newest head coach.
1: Interesting because like
0: I can I can actually
1: see that. Yeah, I could. I, there's no there's there's a world in which that happens. That'd be honestly. That would be a pretty nice fit for Jeff Levy. SEC school, they've had some success in the league. I think they've played in two SEC Correct. championship games. Yep. But have fallen upon some hard times recently. Had a head coach who, well, what is there to say about Drink? He's polarizing. <laughs> He's very polarizing. And so. In but, an
0: offensive, like, it feels like their program is, has more of an offensive backgrounds, you know? I, I think back to my childhood and Brad Smith was running around ah, everywhere. Brad Smith. They, they've had some um, elite defensive players for sure, but it feels like they've been more about offense for the past 30 years more than any other thing. I, I don't know. Maybe some people disagree with that, but it wouldn't be the worst fit for Jeff Lebby. And I think he would probably take that job if it was offered Reunite to him. Reunite with Theo Weiss. Uh, yeah, I guess he could. he have a year yeah. left. Yeah. Um, Somebody
1: on the text line asked, is Corey Roberson still on the team? Yes, Corey Roberson is still on the team. I believe he's only got one year of eligibility left. But, yeah, he's still around. Another listener asked, did I miss something? Did Drinkwitz get canned? Not yet. That's the point.
0: Not yet. Kicking time bomb. We are just reading off the schedule and saying, if Drink does get fired, how does that affect the recruitment of five-star defensive lineman Will Winery? And we think that um, if he's relationship-driven, like Parker says, and I believe Parker's probably right about that. I think it would have an effect for sure. Absolutely. Somebody asked, is there a Tommy Harris in
1: next year's class of five-star defensive linemen? Uh, in this cycle, I don't know that there is a DJ Hicks. There is – I and I certainly don't think there's another PJ out of Barre. The best comparison I can make for Will and Winery is probably Keon Keeley, and I have mentioned the similarities between those two several times. David Stone is elite. Yeah, He's a very good defensive lineman. To me, he's not DJ Hicks. He's certainly not Tommy Harris. But that's a dude that's going to step in at whatever college program he commits to, which I believe will be Oklahoma, and he's going to play snaps as a true freshman. Meaningful snaps.
0: Here's the thing. Like, there's not a Tommy Harris. Like, if there's not a Tommy Harris in this defensive line class, that's that doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing because how many – Tommy Harris's have we seen since his freshman year at OU back in 2001? Probably just a handful of guys, right? How many true freshman defensive linemen have we seen line up, start for a Bob Stoops defense in game one, and the very first play of his career, he gets a TFL in the backfield and has all the accolades that he had in his three years at OU? There's not – I there may not be a Tommy Harris. There probably isn't a Tommy Harris because that – the reason is there's not very many Tommy Harris's. There haven't been the past 20 years. So these guys can still be very good if they're not Tommy Harris. That's what I would say. And very good
1: is an upgrade over what you've had in years past on the interior defensive line for Oklahoma. Yeah, Perry on Winfrey was a pretty solid player. Yeah. But on the whole, I, I don't think there's much of a question that the interior defensive line has been an area where you've certainly left some meat on the bone. In recent years, that in the secondary was where the defensive inconsistencies have really started and
0: stopped for Oklahoma. Uh, Nine one eight. No Tommy Harris. Might as well skip the D line position in twenty twenty four. Oh, there's something that Todd Bates will get blamed for as well. Uh-huh. Huh. Well, Todd Bates couldn't generate a Tommy Harris in the twenty twenty four class. He just keeps missing all over the place. Unbelievable. The Todd Bates slander is just still something that I just don't understand. Well, and you know, of
1: regardless me. of how well the defensive line plays for Oklahoma in 2023, the narrative come next December is going to be, well, it was all portal guys. Bates can't recruit
0: his own guys. Uh that's like asking, is there an Adrian Peterson in this class? LOL, come on guys from oh, the 405. Man. Yeah, that's 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 a pretty Uh so
1: I was pretty accurate. I was talking to uh I was talking to Mike Hawkins senior on the sideline at a 7-on-7 tourney a couple weeks ago, and he said, man, I've literally only ever seen one player that was ready for the NFL out of high school, and it was Adrian Peterson. Yeah,
0: yeah, 100%, and, man. Yeah, so. I mean, we saw it as true freshmen. Like, we're, we're talking about, is there a Tommy Harris and someone else joking about, is there an Adrian Peterson? Like, those dudes look different in their true freshman year. Like, it didn't take them. I, how many guys do we talk about, Parker, that say, well, he really needs an offseason with Schmitty, and then, you know, watch out. Maybe he needs two off seasons with Schmitty, and we'll see how it goes. Like, those two guys got an offseason with Jerry Schmidt before they, you know, were stars their freshman year, but they didn't necessarily need. Adrian Peterson and Tommy Harris, those, just, those kind of dudes, they're not around in every single class. They they got they got a summer with Schmidt, but they didn't necessarily need one to be stars right away. Yeah, on the text line, state of Missouri's loaded. Wasn't Sean Davian and Bradley also from
1: Missouri? Oh boy, you remember that? Remember how controversial it was on the text line and on the message boards last year when OU seemingly had Sean Davy and Bradley in the palm of their hands, circa January. And they backed off of recruiting him in order to pursue some three-star named P.J. bar. Unbelievable. <laughs> oh Steph
0: my. just didn't know what they're doing. Maybe maybe Brent Venables has a clue what he's doing. Uh, what happened to David Stone from the 405? Uh, nothing's happened to David Stone. I, I think he's just fine.
1: It's, it's, I, I,
0: I would hope nothing's happened. Yeah. I would hope that that's the case as well. The uh, text line also saying before we hit a break, Drink gets fired and OU gets Luther, Bur- uh, Luther Burden back. Former five-star wide receiver. Yeah. I don't think that that would necessarily happen, but I guess the thought of it is kind of fun, right?
1: Yeah, I, I, Maybe sure, a little bit? Sure, I guess. Sure. I Yeah, okay. I, I don't want Luther Burton mm-hmm. at Oklahoma. You don't want the drama? I don't. I just, You're a no-drama type of guy. I am a no-drama type of guy. And right now, Brent Venables has a no-drama Type of and here's the thing. Here's what I was thinking about the other day. I was just sitting at home, and this thought randomly came to me, Tyler. The University of Oklahoma, in general, has an astonishingly low drama athletic department as a
0: whole. Um, are you like historically or just right now? I would say recently. Okay, so you're saying head coaches, you're saying players, you're saying just kind of everyone involved.
1: Yeah, with the exception of the mule shoe fiasco <laughs> yeah. and. Like, that's the one glaring exception. But for the most part, I I guess I'm thinking more about athletes. Yeah, there was the whole debacle with Trajan Bridges and Mikey Henderson and, oh gosh, Seth McGowan was the third one. But these athletes, man, the culture that they've cultivated among their student athletes at the University of Oklahoma in all sports, not just football. And we don't have to deal with a whole lot of off-field crap. I saw one of LSU's wide receivers get arrested on a gun charge yesterday. I think that's what it was. I was just
0: like, you know what? Oklahoma's done a good job of not going after those types of dudes. What do they call it? The Fulmer Cup in the SEC? Who gets the most arrest throughout the year? I think (laughs) that's what they call it. LSU and Georgia are uh, currently right now atop the Fulmer Cup standings. I think that that used to be a thing. Maybe it's still a thing. I don't know. Text line can help us out with that. All right. um, By the way... The month of February is coming to a close. March could be a big month for OU football recruiting. Is anyone panicking right now that OU has zero commits in the 24 class? I'm not saying that you should be. I'm just asking the question. Is anyone panicking out there? Is anyone getting a little bit worried? We'll get to your text. We'll get to that and a whole lot more coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune. Live on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. New studio, who dis, by the way. You think anyone cares about seeing our new backdrop here in studio? Well, no one can actually see it. That's well, kind the issue. I, but. Like, should I put it out on social media? Do people care about it enough? Do people care about it? Well, here's the thing. Uh, I don't know if they know you
1: what can, it looked you like can, before. <laughs> you can issue. get people to care about anything on social media if you phrase and or position the tweet properly. What do you think of
0: our new backdrop? Does it suck or is it awesome? hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think of a creative question that you could pose to get people engaged with it.
0: Where does this rank in terms of backdrops in local Oklahoma City sports (laughs) radio stations? (laughs) There you go. The ref army would, I'm sure, come alive uh, on that one. Oh, boy. Hey, we have some early betting lines that are out right now before we get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Uh, According to FanDuel, OU is a four-point dog to Texas. How does everyone feel about that? Four-point dog to Texas. Anyone feel good about that? Hate it, like it, love it, would want to bet on it, stay away from it? I'd bet on it. Which side would you bet? I'd I'd bet on OU. OU
1: money line? OU minus the four? I would bet OU OU money line. Unless Dylan Gabriel gets speared again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well... (laughs)
1: <laughs> and even so, this time around, still Gabriel might be, be able a bit to get different. speared. I, still, yeah. I, I think I still might
0: bet on Oklahoma. Colorado's over-under win total, according to FanDuel. Four and a half. Oh, I'm, I'm hitting the over. They do not like CU whatsoever. That is, oh gosh. Colorado is a 17 and a half point dog in their first game against TCU. They're a seven point dog on their home field to Nebraska in week two. Yeah, uh, Nebraska. No. Yeah, no, no. Give me Colorado money line on that one. Texas is an eight and a half point underdog at Alabama in week two. That was the only OU game that was listed, by the way. Ohio State and eight, an eight and a half point favorite at Notre Dame. Ooh, the line's actually up to five now. The public has bet the line. Are you serious? FanDuel just released this earlier today. And a bunch of compulsive gamblers have already bet up the FanDuel line from Texas minus four to Texas minus five. There are the degenerates early money, The early money is on Texas in this game. That makes me feel even better. USC a three-point favorite at Notre Dame later in the year. Uh, Ohio State a one-point dog at Michigan last week of the regular season. Interesting. They don't like Colorado. And I guess the public really likes Texas early on in that matchup. Last time Nebraska went to Colorado, and they I understand lost. it was
1: during the Scott Frost era, but I was actually I was sitting in the press box at Owen Field in 2019 and watched Nebraska blow a two-touchdown fourth-quarter lead to a Colorado team that was not good, Tyler.
0: Yeah, they not were bad. Not good.
1: They were bad. Seven point favorite on the road against Colorado. Yeah, I'm taking I'm taking the buffs in that
0: one. I I mean it's just it's I think Nebraska's gonna be better, but I don't think Nebraska's covering seven against pretty much anyone on the road this year, but that's that's just me. Four oh five, six five one, thirty four thirty nine. OU still doesn't have a commit for the twenty four class. So I was just asking the text line how they feel. Here was the first response, Parker. Am I worried? What are you, mainstream news trying to push fear on your <laughs> listeners? <laughs> I told you not to worry. I said I don't think that you should be worried about it. I'm just wondering where everyone is at right with this right now. 405, nah, no panic. BV and Co. will get them locked up. Uh, 405, recruiting tears at your heart every day. 405, I'm not as worried as I was last year at this time, and we saw how that turned out, but I will say it's a tad bit concerning Looking at programs like Georgia, Alabama, Florida State, and LSU, they've already gotten four to five blue-chip commits, and those guys can start to help them on other recruits we might be going after. Uh, Peyton says, yeah, not really. I'm just kind of still trying to recover from last year's cycle.
1: Yeah, Peyton also said, what do you like so much about Colorado, Parker? Just curious because I know he's brought in a ton of transfers, but they were so bad. Look, I – I don't love Colorado in 2023, Peyton. I'm not saying they're going to win 9-10 games, but I I would certainly take the over on four and a half wins. With as much talent as there is on that roster compared to a year ago, and by virtue of the very fact that they're playing in the Pac-12, I will give Colorado five wins. In fact, I'll give them
0: six. I'll say it's a pretty tough schedule. They got a brutal start to the season. Brutal start to the season. What is it? It's... TCU, it's Nebraska. At TCU, Nebraska, Colorado States—they play. That's a win. They're pretty bad. I mean, they're they're really bad, actually. I know they have USC at home early in the year. Do they have Oregon on the road early in the year too? It's a pretty brutal first five six games. It's it's not easy. Yeah. But back to the uh, the text line question. Like I, I'm not. I wasn't trying to steer anyone to being scared or nervous about 24. Like I, one texter pointed it out, and I think it's right on the money like last year showed us to not freak out in February if they don't have eight commitments yeah now which would you like to be like Georgia and have the number one class right now and already have what three five stars committed to you sure yeah I mean I I guess that would be ideal but this staff is showing they'll get hot in the summer they'll get hot in the summer they'll add some players during the season I don't think at all that you should be panicked about this class
1: no and if you want to be recruiting on Georgia's level in the month of February
0: go win back-to-back national championships. Until then, it's kind yeah. of unrealistic. 405, good point, good point here. BV says don't commit until you're 100%, 100% committed. I'm not worried. That's, that's a good point. This is still so early in the cycle. Kids are still you know, going around and seeing other places and trying to figure out what they want to do. I don't think that this was just a last-year thing or a this-year thing. I think however long Brett Venables is the head coach here, I think most years, Parker, we're probably going to be talking about the same thing in February. There will be years where maybe they have three or four commits at this point, especially if you start winning at a high level. Yeah. But I think for the most part, we're going to see this staff do its damage during the summer, most, you know, m- most years. Yeah, and their philosophy
1: yielded a ton of success in year one. And it was a relatively unproven concept because Venables was a first-year head coach. That was a staff that was in their first year together. Well, guess what? I'm trying to think how many total decommitments they had. They had two kids that had their heartstrings pulled at in Colton Vosick and Anthony Evans. You can't fault the kids for uh, picking OU and then deciding after the fact that they wanted to go where their heart was all along. Uh, Ashton Kozar kind of effed around and found out with that new policy.
0: He was the the guinea pig. But outside of that, did they have anybody else decommit? Not Um, offhand. Well, I, I don't. Maybe. Maybe we're just not thinking of someone. But you just mentioned two wide receivers there. Yeah. And I'm not saying that those guys wouldn't have helped, but those are, not to me, high-priority positions when it comes to building a championship football team. Now, Colton Vosick plays in a position that definitely is. But to your point, like it was a very unproven method to recruit for the staff, and they got very few decommits. In terms of decommits of the entire cycle last year – OU probably had some of the fewest in all of college football, and I think that, that that says something, especially with the top five class they had. And
1: very rarely has Clemson had decommits under Dabo Sweeney. That's not something that rears its head every single cycle uh, in a substantial way for Clemson, and that's because they operate under the same philosophy. And so yeah. I I would imagine you'll have a very high retention rate throughout the cycle as guys continue to lock it in. And it, like again, I think... Right now, you have a guy at the forefront of it all in Michael Hawkins. And I know a lot of people have had their critiques of the way that he and his family have handled this recruitment process. I think in light of Venable's policy, they've handled it perfectly. Sure. Because they're not not—they're not 100% sold on OU. Kendall Bryles is kind of what's holding that back. But – He hasn't made a decision. He hasn't tried to accelerate a decision the entire time. Him, his dad, his family have said, you know what? Forget the January 31st date. Once Bryles moved to TCU, that was out the window. They said, you know what? We're going to cross every T. We're going to dot every I. We're going to make sure that either OU is the place that is 100% the right spot for Michael or TCU is the place that's 100% the right spot for him. So if you get a commitment from Michael Hawkins after this relatively dragged out process that we thought was going to come to an end at the conclusion of January, here's what you know you're going to have. You're going to have a legacy at the quarterback position that is going to be all in for your program and all in on recruiting his peers potentially as
0: early as mid to late March. And if that's the case, all the way up. Um, we are talking about decommits last year. This one says, yeah, freaking David Hicks, LOL. Well, David Hicks was never Ah, uh, Caleb, Caleb
1: Spencer, that's the one I forgot. Yeah. That was a weird situation all the way around.
0: Yeah, that was, like, random. It was, like, in the middle of the week, uh, later was, on in the evening. Was I was like, on, hey, on the sideline
1: at Lee's Summit in the middle of a game. No notice whatsoever. Just saw it pop up on my phone that, oh, Caleb Spencer flipped to Miami which he committed to OU at the spring game. Uh, His contact had kind of ebbed away with the OU staff, and he hadn't visited campus again. So he he wasn't giving them any reason to think that his commitment was wavering, but by the same token, he wasn't
0: giving them any reason to suggest that his commitment was rock solid. One more. Sooner Soldier says, My only concern is how will the success or failure of the 2023 season affect future recruiting? Well, I (laughs) – I say no excuses. Like you should not you should have a really good year in twenty twenty three. you guys have heard me talk enough about what I think of this schedule. I like, I think is gonna be a lot better anyway, but especially with this schedule. And if the twenty twenty three season has an effect on recruiting, I've gotta think that it's gonna have a positive effect. But sure, if if I'm wrong, and OU is back to being a 6-6 six six team with that schedule, then I'm, I'm sure it's going to have a negative impact for sure. Yeah, I, it probably will. By the way, Suter Soldier, did you have a good time at the basketball game last night? He was one of the two that won uh, free tickets uh, last night. So I know the final score wasn't all that exciting, but did you at least have fun with the free tickets that you won? I'm, I'm interested to know. Well, hopefully so. The Sooners did lose to Steely's Glorified Junior College.
1: <laughs> and all the tech fans are back in my mentions about the battery throwing thing. Really? They like, who knows why? they like this week? I had no idea that tweeting a battery flew by my head at Jones e- AT&T Stadium would result in several prominent Texas Tech fan accounts and a legion of Twitter anon's with cactus emojis in their bios. Coming after me for the next three months. Mm. Well, get, it's you, bizarre.
0: Like, I'm, I have to imagine they feel personally attacked. Well, somehow. it's not the first person like, that's ever said that. I, I think Rufus has, has said it before that he had a battery, uh, or they used to throw batteries back in the day. But just get ready, man, because Tech fans are, are bad. But LSU fans are Tech fans. There's just a lot more of them. That's that's what uh, it is. And
1: they're at
0: athletic. least with Tech fans, there's not like a. 100,000-seat stadium, like, LSU has a, there's, they're tech fans, but there's just more of them, that's what they are, Ugh. 405-651-3439, keep it coming on the Air Conference Solutions text line, more to come next, right here on Locked In. Well, someone on the text line is not very optimistic about a large spring game crowd, Here's the real question. How many fans will show up to the spring game this year compared to last year? I'm guessing less than 30,000 now that the shine of a 6-7 and seven season with a new coaching staff has worn off. Wow. I'll take the over on 30,000. I would also take the over on 30,000 at Colorado because Colorado's already sold over th- uh, 30,000 tickets to their spring game, which is something I thought would never happen. But insert Dion in the mix, and I guess that's that's what you have. Travis Davidson joins us now. Travis, you taking the, uh, the over or the under on 30,000 at the spring game later this year?
2: Well, on 30,000? Yeah. Uh, I expect to have darn near 30,000 at uh, the K-Ref postgame show afterwards. So, oh,
0: God.
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I will take that over all day.
0: 30,000 at the Ref postgame show. That is a lot of tall boys uh, in a small, small area. I don't know, man. That'd be one party. I'm down for Yeah, 30,000 of you want to show up? Let's go. I'm, I'm all about that. Hey, here's a uh, way-too-early question for both of you guys on uh, this 2024 class. Parker, I'll start with you. You know, OU got three five-stars in last year's class, so let's stick with the number three here for 2024. Will OU get the same? Will they get fewer? or is 3 going to be dead on balls accurate how many five stars OU lands in the 2024 class That's a difficult one You don't even know necessarily who's going to end up as a yeah, five star Yeah, that's the tough thing to pro- I'll say I'll say 3 is right on the nose. What do you think, Travis?
2: Wow, I you know what I think I think Parker uh, knows what he's doing. I think three is probably right, because I feel like Nigel – I'm I'm doing this under the assumption that Nigel Smith will rise to five-star status, um, and I do believe he'll be a Sooner. Uh, so kind of the ebbs and the flows of the rankings, I, I think three. I think three seems about safe. Um, what if I
0: offered – and I don't have this power, unfortunately – but what if I offered OU fans a deal where it's, okay – You can have three five-stars, but they'll all three be five-star defensive linemen. Uh, Do you guys feel like everyone would run and say, Deal! Wait! All of our five-stars in next year's class are going to be defensive linemen? Yeah, yeah, deal. Let's go. I I feel like most people would say yes to that, Travis. Just a guess.
2: Yeah, I, I, I I think they'd say yes to that. I think they would say, you know what? Screw it. Let's take only defensive linemen in this 2024 class you know like it's i think that's what the fan base is most starved for is that interior five star defensive lineman uh, and and you know i think uh, i think they'll probably i think they'll probably be satiated with this 24 class
0: i mean just judging by the text line parker it does feel like you know if they land another top 5 class everyone's going to be happy but for OU fans to feel like this is i, I don't know i i guess for OU fans to feel totally satisfied with the 24 class, I feel like you need to land at least two of these elite defensive linemen. I, I, that's what everyone's really looking for in this class. Can they land elite D linemen? Yeah, that's
1: to me is the quota. you got to get two out of four among Nwineri, David Stone, Zadavian Sims, Nigel Smith. Three out of four is a coup. Man, you are thrilled if you get three out of four. But I feel like you got to get two. And if they don't end up with two, the Todd Bates – noise isn't going to die unfortunately enough and I what I also want people to understand I, let's just get this clear right now Will Nguyenary's primary recruiter at Oklahoma is Miguel Chavis it is not Todd Bates so I imagine that's going to become a misconception down the road <laughs> I just want to clarify that right now
0: Miguel Chavis is Winari's lead recruiter uh, well text line I'm sure all of a sudden just got way more confident they're going to land him uh, who knows? Here's uh, a fun pair of back-to-back texts from a listener in the 405. Travis Davidson is a fake OU insider. Is Bates going to whiff in the 24 class again? Don't forget about the multiple Hawkins is going to TCU text. I swear some of these people do nothing but Is that play. you, Greg Swain? Greg, is that you? That's you on there, isn't it? That has to be you. But, yes, Hawkins, going to T- Hawkins is going to TCU. Um, that text is getting kind of old. I think we need to uh, ban those texts for now.
2: Just just a thought. I'm fine with uh, whoever thinks is guaranteeing Hawkins uh, going to TCU and uh, saying Bates is going to whiff in the 24 class. I'm comfortable with those takes being the person that calls me a fake OU insider. That's, That's almost a badge of honor.
0: Greg from Lawton says that's a t- uh, that's a big 10-4 on three D-line five stars. Absolutely, I'll take three uh, uh, five-star defensive linemen. Says the 405. Another texture in the 832 says yes, I'll take all D-line five stars. Another 918 says deal. So I thought that everyone would take that deal, and I don't think it's. I'm not saying it's likely, Parker. I'm not saying it's likely at all. It's probably a pretty low percentage, but I do think that there's a chance that every five-star that you land this cycle could be defensive linemen. I think that there's a world, like that world does exist with this class.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think outside of defensive line, who are some guys right now that could be five-stars that Oklahoma could land. And, oh gosh, I, there aren't any that jump to mind So, yeah, I would say if you get three five stars, it's probably because you get three out of four among those defensive linemen. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, unless, again, you see, I don't think anybody's going to rise to the level like P.J. did. But, you know, there are some, you know, top 150 kids now that who knows what they're going to do over their senior year? Who knows what they're going to do in camps, seven on sevens, all this kind of stuff, right? Right. So, I mean, you've got a bit – and you don't know if there are going to be decommitments from other schools with continued coaching changes, things like that. I mean, yeah, you you would like it to be like a Jackson-Arnold type situation, like, okay, five-star, in the boat early, don't have to really worry about it the entire year, even like a P.J. Fast riser in the boat, but he didn't get his fifth start till way late. So there's so many things that could change between now and signing day that, who knows, there could be somebody out of nowhere that ends up a five-star uh, that ends up in Norman. Who knows? Uh, uh,
0: 405, we won't get Stone. We'll get Williams, Nigel Smith, and Sims. Just a guy feeling, and I am 100% fine with that. That's the best D-line class we have signed in 15 years. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it would be the best D-line class you've signed in probably more than 15 years. Um, I hope your feelings is accurate. I would love David Stone. I think everyone would love David Stone. But if you're going to tell me you're going to get the three other guys in this class, um, if we're doing deal or no deal this segment, which obviously we are, I'm pushing the deal button on that real quick, getting three out of four. Any combination, Parker, three out of the four, I, I I'm taking. There's not a combination that exists. Three out of the four that I wouldn't take. Here's a fantastic text from the 918, and yes, I agree with you. If the
1: deal or no deal is no David Stone, but yes to the other three all day. This listener in the nine one eight says, with the recent doomers bashing your takes, I'll go the other way. I just realized, locked in must be my favorite radio show. Hey. I listen every day, and even
0: when I was in Israel. Hey. What is wrong with me? Hey, all right. Welcome to the show. And uh, if this is your first time really following recruiting, we'll get ready for a ro- get ready for uh, a roller coaster. The emotions run very high on this show uh, for one hour a day when it comes to recruiting. 2023 was very rocky at times. 2023 was was awesome at times. I'm going to guess, Parker, that 2024 is probably going to be the same way. There's going to be a lot of highs and probably even some lows mixed in there. That's just the world of recruiting, no matter what college football program you are, especially in the NIL era. That's just what's going to happen. We had that one
1: texter who apparently has a reputation – for only sending negative texts, uh, I, this is this is fantastic. I'm looking back at their previous texts now. Here you go. Stogner is a jag. Hawkins is going to TCU. Mm. But this was the person that eventually said Travis Davidson is a fake OU insider. <laughs> we have plenty of people coming to Grill Boy's defense on the Air Comfort uh, Solutions text line, well, that's, which is good to see. Yeah. The Ref Army does not take kindly to
0: unprovoked attacks. No, it does not. Hey
2: real ones know real ones know but no i was when we were talking about kind of the you know kind of the people that could rise i mean if if you just look at the players that are you know kind of top 100 guys uh, that have the opportunity right like i said just 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 balling out i mean if you just look at what 247's got right now you've got names like bryant wesco james peoples put out a nice uh, little tweet talking about it's the only standard. Uh, the 24K gold standard is the only standard. Showing you some love. Um, obviously, Phil Samey. Uh, you've got Day Day Zadavian Sims just outside. Uh, he's in the 60s. Uh, you've got Marcellus Williams, who's now locked in a visit uh, from St. John Bosco. You know, you see if they've, they can uh, make any headway there. You know, that you, so you've got a lot in kind of that 60 to 100 range that, with a lot of time left, could uh, could make that jump to five-star status.
0: Yeah. All right, 405-651-3439, Air Comfort Solutions text line. We'll close up locked in coming up next. Oh, Tyler, I've made an amazing
1: discovery. What happened? <laughs> Fortunately, if you're texting like a moron yes. on the Air Comfort Solutions text line – We can pull receipts on every text you've ever sent. Oh, it's just like an iPhone conversation you can scroll up and see. Yes. So this buffoon that's been texting nothing but slander for individuals ranging from Austin Stogner to Todd Bates to Travis Davidson today— I looked back at his text from October of this past year, and it turns out
0: he was among the start Micah Bowens crowd, ah. which is how I know you are both <laughs> unserious and a moron. Wow. See? Don't say dumb things on the text line, or Parker will scroll all the way back and and find and pick out things to make fun of you. That's just what he does. I didn't know that you were uh, spending your uh, break doing that. Nice. I thought that I, got I would time. be able to tell. Yeah, I, I know you got time. I thought I got I, time. I, I thought that I would see that pulled up, but nice job.
1: Listen, you send in one stupid text, it's like okay, whatever. You send in like five or six
0: stupid texts in a row, it's like okay, we're gonna go to war at that point. Hey, I was looking at uh, Texas and what they've been doing so far in the 2024 class. They only have three commits, but I totally forgot that they already have their quarterback for this class. Now it is not Archibald Manning, five star, number one overall player. In fact. They got Trey Owens, uh, a Texas kid who was a three-star that committed in uh, mid-January. So, Texas so far, OU has zero commits for 2024. Like we said, don't panic about that. Really don't even pay attention to that, I'd say. Texas has three commits. All three are Texas kids. And I wonder if Texas, they're making fun of this staff because they got a three-star quarterback. I can't imagine how everyone around here would act if OU got a three-star quarterback commit. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Texas recruited a three-star quarterback
1: because they didn't want to piss off old Arch and the Manning family. That's what it's about. Texas hey. didn't pursue Trey Owens with the expectation that he would ever start a game on the 40 acres. They're bringing him in because he's a body. He's, gonna be, he's good enough to be a scholarship player, but nobody in the Manning contingent is going to be threatened by the presence of a kid like that.
2: Yeah, and that's that's why people need to remember Jackson Arnold, for my money, is better than Arch Manning. If we can get a guy, which I do think we do, get a Michael Hawkins Jr. behind him, that's that's rare. It, it, it's going to be rare to find somebody that, that, that's that good that is willing to come in the year behind Jackson Arnold. So OU in a great spot compared to those that you know just recruited a five-star talent.
0: <laughs> to those points, one text before we get out of here, or Parker gets out of here, I guess, should be should we be worried about the push for Hawkins that it could drive Jackson Arnold away, especially if Levy leaves and can possibly take him? No. No on both of those fronts. Jackson Arnold ain't going anywhere, He's Paul. He's not going anywhere if Hawkins is here. And I think if Levy were to leave after this year, I, I don't think <laughs> – wherever Jeff Levy goes is not going to be a better destination than Oklahoma. And guess who's going to be your starter after this season? Jackson Arnold is. I think regardless of what happens – Jackson Arnold is, is going to be your starting quarterback after this year, of course. All right, that'll do it for Parker. Uh, Travis and I coming up next on The Rush.